0: thank you very much for doing this man that's very good of you um, thanks Dip. thanks for having me on yeah uh, can you tell everybody who you are and um, what you do
1: yeah, so my name is Jaz Gnotti and I'm a general dentist. I know you've been interviewing some specialists so it's good to be flying the flag for, for generalists out there. Uh, I spend uh, my week in private practice. I was working uh, in London and in, uh, in Oxford and now I'm moving to, to, to Reading to work but now no one's working so uh, I'm at home with a okay. nine-month-old baby. My wife is actually working on the front line uh, wow. and she's doing some great work for the NHS so I'm, I'm happy to uh, have some special memories, make some special memories with my, 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 with my son.
0: Nice man, that's amazing. Um, and so where, you say you're working, in, you're working in a few practices aren't you? I mean how many mm-hmm. practices do you work at and are they NHS or are they private? So at its peak, it was
1: uh, three practices, all private. Uh, and wow, man, that, that was really heavy, but I loved it. it was, I was working at three uh, great principles, doing the type of dentistry I wanted to do, uh, access to great materials. So I was very happy. Um, then I found out when my wife was pregnant and literally, you know, my wife gave me the talk about, listen, there's gonna be, you're going to have no time for this baby. And she yeah. was right. Um, so yeah, yeah. something had to give. So I had yeah. to give up one practice uh, and I found this happy balance, happy medium uh and it's basically two private practices that i, I work in at the moment and um it's it, i think i finally struck the right balance how many days are you doing uh i, it, ooh, I mean, it, it's funny because i we haven't worked in so long that I, I don't remember how many days i used to work uh so friday's whole day and then it was four days four days i worked four <laughs> days
0: Wicked. that's a nice that is a nice little balance i think especially with how many patients you probably go through in, in a in a working day mm. It's a good idea to kind of give yourself that little break. Um, and has your journey been um, NHS practices to begin with, pick up skills and then develop onto private practices? Is that what you've done?
1: Not quite. So mine was very much um, qualify DF1. And then I did DCT1 at Guy's Hospital, Oral Surgery and Restorative. Uh, okay. And then I did uh, 12 months of DCT2. Uh, in Sheffield and that was fully restorative dentistry. So the flavor you're getting here is that actually I wanted to be a uh, restorative specialist. I wanted to go through that five year, uh, registrar pathway. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was that when I came to Sheffield and, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're applying to DCT, that, that post in Sheffield is phenomenal. It gave me so much hands-on experience uh, using a microscope for re-RCTs, treating tooth wear. That really gave me so much confidence and a real, uh, developed my passion for dentistry even more. And I was, it's it's funny because you think that having such a great restorative post would actually make me want to become a restorative specialist even more. But what happened was that I sort of sat down and I said, why am I doing this? What's the end result? So if I was to do my five years and become a restorative specialist, what would I what do I want out of it? And the honest answer is, I want it to be a really good dentist uh, and uh, be at the cutting edge of dentistry. And mm-hmm. then I thought of people like we were just talking about. We thought I, th- I thought of people like Chris Orr, yeah. Tidu Manku, yeah. Corey Faran, even yeah. general dentists, humble general dentists in the UK like Rajiv Ruwala or from Australia, Lincoln Harris. These are all GDPs, right? So I sort of came to the conclusion that you don't have to specialize um, mm-hmm. or do any sort of formal training. Get any formal letters to be an awesome dentist and I I just felt as though the cutting edge part of it would only be fulfilled with private practice so that's how that's how it came to be for me really
0: okay so you, you skipped kind of working on the UDA system down south really
1: I, I did work um, UDAs part-time while I was at uh, guy's hostel and a little bit um, shepherd's hostel And that was really to keep my fingers in it. So hospital okay. dentistry, it can slow you down. It can de-skill you. So that's why I kept up a, a Saturday job in mixed practice, which, 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 which was good and worthwhile doing. And, and then actually I, I didn't want to, at that point it was like, Mm, I don't have enough of a portfolio or enough experience mm-hmm. or enough contacts yet to, to get a pr- fully private position. So then uh, me and my wife moved to Singapore uh, and wow. we worked there for for about 18 months uh, in fully private practice. How and when that? I came back, uh, uh, oh, it was amazing. You know, great food. Uh, it's such a well-located place in Singapore to travel the rest of Asia, went Malaysia, yeah. went India, went Australia, went Bali. Uh, we, we ha- you know, had a little fun traveling around as well as know practicing dentistry in, in a very uh, decent place like singapore uh, yeah. great weather and all that as well but i came back with uh, an even bigger portfolio um yeah. and i came back with some experience and i came back at the right time you know sometimes you get a bit of luck a bit of timing uh, yeah. and then i fell into those private positions that i, I talked about earlier
0: amazing and so since you've come back so you you're you've done some more courses what what courses have you done and are they you know some of them university-based or are they just all kind of weekend courses and, and how have you found them
1: see I'm, i started smiling because I, I i'm known to be a bit of a, a course junkie um and it's it's good and it's bad it's good because i've had like a lot of exposure i mean the uh, amount of money i'm sure you have as well uh, Dipesh. the amount of thousands i've spent on yeah. courses is just unreal um, and yeah. I, I literally cannot tell you all the courses i've done it's a long long list um i guess the takeaway point is that i've got a very w- varied um number of courses i've done in mm. various you know private courses i've been to dubai as well uh for three days once so i'm, I'm a big fan of actually traveling abro- abroad to do courses because right. you know, it yeah. becomes tax deductible and you get, uh, you get to meet people all over the world uh, and, and you mix travel at the same time. So yeah. uh, I also went to, when I was in Singapore, I did loads of courses. I went to Australia to yeah. do some courses as well. And the general theme of these courses was uh, treatment planning, communication, tooth wear, and lots and lots and lots of occlusion, which is um, something I'm interested in. And one of the reasons I did a diploma in orthodontics was because funnily enough, I was doing ortho, but hand on heart, i i feel i feel as though i was using a system a clear aligner system but i didn't really know the orthodontics behind it so yeah. i did a very comprehensive diploma in orthodontics which now gives me some good good uh, orthodontic knowledge diagnosis great. treatment planning uh, yeah. which has been great but i also secretly wanted to learn more about occlusion through orthodontics and you yeah. know what orthodontics what it teaches about occlusion is you can do anything you want
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true isn't it yeah you can get away with more do, than do you think. do ortho yourself I, I stopped doing ortho purely because of what you said, you know, you, were, I was using aligners and I was using different systems and, and the systems were doing the work and I didn't really have control and I didn't like it. So um, I've kind of gone down a different pathway. But I stopped the orthodontics. Patients were happy with I, but, the results. But it's good.
1: But yeah, But it's good because you made a choice to, to limit something and sometimes that's a difficult decision to make, isn't it?
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know um, and i'm sure if i kept it up i would get more into it and learn and, and, and i'm not trying to say that people shouldn't do these systems mm. i just had other interests that i knew that, uh, that now you have more time to
1: focus on is it Im- implants and whatnot right
0: that's right yeah so i was never i was never got excited about my orthodontic patient kind of sitting in the chair but i would get really excited when there was some surgery or some planning and, and things. blood like, so I, yeah that's right yeah so I knew, I knew very early that was for me anyway but um so where, where do we get to? So you've done you've done a diploma, you've done a lot of courses, and then inclusion is your thing. How did you get? What what do you what training have you done in inclusion since then? Because it is something you're known for, isn't it?
1: Oh, I don't know about that, but um, uh, occlusion training. Right. So um, lots and lots of short courses, which fueled me. I've got a really good mentor on my side, Hap Gill, who um, trained at the Pankey Institute, and he sort of uh, got me thinking about bigger cases. And the key to bigger cases is occlusion, basically. Now, how does it all fit together, raising the vertical dimension? And as soon as you start raising the vertical dimension, you're in reorganization territory, then you need to have a good knowledge of how things fit together and how things function or power function over time. So I've done uh, Barry Glass. I've done a lot of the Dawson Academy. Uh, I've done Stephen Phelan's online course, which was like uh, quite a big investment at the time, but that was um, and quite different in the sense that it was purely online. Uh, and I learned a lot through that. I've done some uh, training with a, a disciple of John Coyce, who, who, who was in Dubai. Uh, and I've done lots and lots of other short courses looking into uh, Occlusion, tooth wear, rehab, uh, and I'm look. I'm only seven years qualified, so uh, I've got so much more that I don't know that I want to grow and grow and grow. And I think some people have criticised me uh, in in a good way. People who who you know my friends who care about me, they've criticised me. and Said, "That jazz you're going to confuse yourself. You're going to listen to one school of thought and the other school, uh, of thought, and you're going to confuse yourself." You know, yeah. It may make sense, however. For me, it's been so good and powerful to know how each camp, how Kois differs from Dawson and what they believe. And actually, sometimes I find a patient who I know that the Kois way of thinking might actually benefit that patient more than the Dawson or the Panky way. So th- th- I've actually uh, learned a lot from varying my sort of, uh, the, the camps of, uh, you know, Frank Spear, for example, a lot of his online content I've consumed. So it's, it's been great.
0: Amazing, very good. And um, so, you've, so you've, you've kind of, you've kind of decided and decided on what kind of courses you want to do, what kind of direction you want to go. And, and the benefits of that for you is you can kind of chop and change, but also kind of look at multiple people's philosophies rather than if you were, for example, doing something with Eastman, you know, that's Eastman philosophy, and that's the way you're taught. Yeah. And, and, and are you happy with the way you don't? do you ever wish that you could go back and go and, and do a formative training, specialist training pathway? I think
1: I think I'm happy with the decisions I've made uh not specialized but some of my very close friends are specialists or specializing and you know I love their dedication uh and their laser focus on on one field but yeah. I I just like being a generalist I, I like I still like treating children I still uh like making some dentures now and again so I, I I like it. And although being a general dentist, sometimes it can be more difficult because you have to be good at everything rather than amazing at one thing. You have to be good at everything. That can be difficult. However, I think sometimes we get to cherry pick and and pick that low-hanging fruit. So, you know, you could still sub-specialized as a general dentist and yeah. uh, you know whatever interest that you have so for yeah. me i'm happy with the decisions i made you never know five years from now you might you might see me starting an mclin dent or something you just yeah. don't know the, where, where the world's going to take you but yeah. for now I'm, fa- I'm fairly happy and i'm still learning i think my next area to learn more about is airway sleep apnea which i've started to learn a bit more about as well and how that sort of interplays
0: with the occlusion and power function and whatnot so there's right. so much more to learn yeah amazing um, and I mean, so you haven't, so you haven't done like a one course, which is like a, a restorative year course, have you? It's more like little your interests. So, so the reason I didn't
1: do, I considered doing a year long course yeah. very much. And you know, there, there's Richard Porter who I look, look, look up to very much, Chris, all, all these courses out there and they were open to me, but because I had the six months at guys hospital in restorative and a whole 12 months in restorative um, at Sheffield.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I don't, I mean, not that I wouldn't have learned anything from doing those year long courses, but that was my year long course. The whole year that I did um, treating some, you know, good complex cases, hands on with some really um, good, meaningful supervision. So I didn't think I needed to then also do a year long course because I had some good uh, grounding and experience for my hospital
0: posts. Amazing. Good. And um, so, what kind of tips do you have for people who are kind of either kind of finishing university or kind of in their VT or, or soon afterwards to improve their skills? If there were kind of three pieces of advice you could give people in their first five years, what, what would it be? okay so
1: one thing that i did uh, straight after qualifying is i did as many of the section 63 uh, and cheaper courses that i could so for, if you're in london for example the e-wisdom website uh, or if you're in uh, various parts of uh, the country there's like max courses so basically deanery funded courses and they're like you know 150 pounds 50 pounds 200 pounds for these same lectures that may be giving a lecture somewhere for a thousand eight hundred pounds you know so definitely I I did so much CPD during my DF1 year. It was was, was actually insane. So find these cheap courses. And nowadays online, uh, there's so much you can find online for a good price because I know straight straight after uni, you don't probably have much money, but it's so important to still upskill. And that's how you build a network as well. So lots of cheap courses, you know, get your education. The other thing I'd say to a young dentist, uh, recent qualifying would be uh, have the right mindset. And obviously we we can't go too much into what exactly is a growth mindset, but I I can recommend a book. Uh, The book is called mindset. It's by by, um, Carol Dweck. It's on Amazon. Uh, Check it out. It tells you the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And what I've noticed is that those people who are, those people who are teaching on the courses, those people who have these lovely practices and, and, and treating some great patients and have got great relationship with their patients, they really have a growth mindset. So I'd say have the right mindset, So we've covered education, we've covered uh, mindset. uh, And I think one last thing I'd say is find a community of practice. So one of the other things I did in 2014 was I did a a postgraduate certificate in dental education. So something I'm I'm quite passionate about is uh, learning and teaching. So um, for me to fit into dental tubules as a community of practice, is good for yeah. others it may be bacd for others maybe the baad for you it might be the iti find a group of people that really connect with the type of dentistry you want to do and it's okay to be in part of multiple groups initially as you're finding your feet but definitely connect with such a group and then find the mentors from those groups
0: absolutely yeah I mean, there's, a, there's a lot there's a lot to that Um, And and I'd also add to that, I mean, if I can, that I think, you know, doing things just purely on computers and and webinars, you're not going to get the same level of information as if you go to these study clubs. Because sometimes some of the the bits where I've learned the most is, you know, you'll see somebody give a fantastic lecture and then you'll get some, you know, two or three questions. You're thinking, that's really interesting. I wouldn't have, you know. That's where you learn or asking or even just meeting people like you on the course and getting to know them. And, and, you know, somebody said, oh, if you want to do that, come and have a look at this or, you know, give me a call.